Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. In the holy name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Christians in America long have been spoiled and coddled, especially coming out of World War II and going through the Cold War. We always have been taught in those earlier days that what it was to be a good American was to be patriotic and to be a good, God-fearing Christian. We even expected our leaders of our country to be believers in God, at least the God of Christianity, and to go to church. We liked to see it when the president would go to church on Sunday. There are those who even worried about what our leaders in our country believed. And in our towns and in our communities, growing up for many of you, you were considered a good person if you were at a place like this on Sunday morning, at one of the fine churches in our community that welcome you. Unfortunately, that ship has sailed. Many of us today wonder what happened. Many of us wonder why people don't attend church, attend the church of your choice. Many of us wonder what went wrong and what happened to the life and the vigor that the church used to have. Instead of what has been seen as normal in history of the world, even in the history of our country, it has become really to be odd to show up here today. Christians are thought of in large and by large as strange. We're nothing but goody-goody buzzkills, wasting perfectly fine, lovely Sunday mornings or Saturday nights. And as soon as you bring up something that people don't like about Christianity or your religion, get out of my face. Are you surprised? I mean, when I got into college my freshman year, this was the last place I wanted to be. Why? because this is where my parents always brought me. I grew up having some people telling me, oh, you're going to be a pastor someday. And I laughed. I joked about it, and I thought it would never happen. And I tried everything possible to stay away from a place like this. I wanted to be free. I wanted to think for myself. I wanted to be my own individual, my own person, my own identity. Jesus meant it when he said that the way is narrow. This is why he report, reports us repeatedly of the scorn and disapproval. That's why Peter said today, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that you are about to come. He says you will receive this for proclaiming that you are a Christian, for simply saying there is salvation in no other name than that of Jesus. And Jesus says this today. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. It will be rough. It will be brutal. There will be rejection. So, of course, none of us should be surprised of what we see in the world. Even though we are surprised, especially after this past week and with what happened in Texas. Is this the world that you want to live for? Is this the world that you want to live in? Is this the world that you want to give up everything possible to have your freedom and your independence to live in a world where children who are about ready to end their school year are gunned down? 
where we are severely divided politically, socially, even mentally on a myriad of things. This shouldn't be a surprise. Jesus tells us over and over about the dangers of my own sinful heart and yours as well. Even as we see trials and tribulation in the world, there is a grave danger, a far more dangerous thing than any words or mobs or weapons in the hands of neighbors or strangers could be against us. Look in the mirror. The danger is you. The danger is me. And it's my selfish pride, my wanting to be my own individual, my own God, to mow down everybody else to make sure that I am right and you are wrong, and to make sure that I am the one the world revolves around while the rest of you can go to hell or wherever else it is that you might say they're condemned. This is what we see today. This is what we see when we are so infatuated with living for ourselves, living as individuals, and not as a community, as a family, as people who are told to love one another as you love yourself. We chuckled when we talked about this with the kids, they get it. They don't raise their hands saying, yes, I do this all the time. But do you notice that as you get older and older and as I get older and older, I'm constantly wanting to self-justify my actions and my behaviors, and you do the same thing. You're wrong. Well, you don't know what shoes I'm in right now. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what's been said to me. Try living my life for some time, and you'll understand why I did or said what I did. That's just me. How about the rest of you come up and talk about things today? I don't think anybody would stand up. How did you fare this week? Think back to these things. Why do you come here today? Is it to put in your time card with Jesus and say, hey, I'm here. I hope you're still happy with me. Or is this is your regular spiritual checkup? where you're looked upon in body and soul and saying, what have I done and left undone? Have I truly been kind and loving? Or have I been truly centered on myself? I don't like the way these things make me feel, Pastor. It's uncomfortable. Just like we were talking about in Bible class today, there's a lot of things that make us feel uncomfortable. I don't like going to the doctor. I don't like what the scale says, I don't like what the blood pressure cuff says, and I don't like what the blood tests say, but I go to the doctor in order to receive health and a cure for what's going wrong. When you and I are coming in here today and every Sunday, it's not that you're better than everybody else out there. It's not that you wouldn't be caught dead doing this, that, or whatever out there. It's not even a show. Because like Jesus says in terms with the Pharisees, we are nothing but whitewashed tombs, boxes to hold dead people. We come in here not as a hospital for the sinners, but as a hospice for people who are going to die 
because of sin. And if you're not so sure about that, look at how you fared this week. Did you get annoyed when somebody poo-pooed your idea, one of your pet plans? Did you look at somebody and think, well, I'd never be caught dead in that outfit. I'd never be caught dead doing that. You know the scratch of sin upon your heart and mind, your words and your deeds creeping up again, pummeling your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your kids. How many times did you feel that you were right? And I'm right about this, and I wish some people would listen to me and quit opposing me at all costs. How many times in our righteous anger did we denigrate people, take them down one peg, especially if it's something important, something moral, something good, right, and salutary? Because after all, when people are bad or wrong, there's nothing better than hammering them even more breaking them and telling them off, and looking at them with sheer disgust. And yet in a few moments, you are going to pray to the creator of heaven and earth, the one who created you. You are going to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Pay no attention to what I'm doing to others, Jesus. Just please forgive me. How many of us find ourselves with forgiveness as our first reaction to our annoyances, whether they are major or minor? How many of us are tearing each other apart on social media and publicly, even after such a tragedy in Uvalde, Texas? People wanting to desire to see somebody else's ways and not their own all while children have been murdered. How much more selfish can we get as a people? Do you realize what that font gives to you? There's a reason why we talk about it with our kids. It's a reason why we put it there. Yes, I know it's always been there. But there's a reason why we put this plain and simple. Because in those waters of baptism, you have been connected to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I want you all to go back and read Romans chapter 6 this week. If you haven't, if you're not familiar, go back and read it. It says that in your baptism you have been crucified and resurrected with Christ and you now walk in the newness of life. You have been changed by those waters. You've gone back to those waters today confessing your sins just as we should every day. And so what does that mean? You are a people who are cleansed and renewed, and you are now able to go out into the chaos of this world and to look on one another with love and mercy and peace and maybe a little forgiveness added in. You are able to look at them as little Christs, as Luther says, as ones who bear the light of the world, the ones who bring salt to the world, those who bring about the light, life, and salvation of Jesus to this dark and dreadful world. You now have been changed. So instead of seeing the wretched and the horrible of your neighbor, rather than seeing them as the villain to be despised, you now see them in your baptism as one desperately trapped in sin, possessed by evil. 
a person who needs Jesus and his rescue just as much as you do. That should be our worldview. This place should be the foundation by which we do everything out there. And that is not how much have you attended, how much have you prayed, how much have you given and volunteered or whatever else it is. It is simply coming in and saying, Lord, I am no better than all of the garbage out there. Have mercy on me. Forgive me and help me to be forgiving, loving, and kind to everyone out there. Well, that sounds all nice and puppy dogs and unicorns and sprinkling with glitter, Pastor. It sounds all something like you've been in California maybe a little too long. But the reality is this. What's the other option? What is the other option? A world where people are gunning down children in schools and then not coming together and trying to figure out how we can better take care of ourselves? Or a world where we do go out and say, boy, this person really annoys me. They annoy me so bad, but I'm going to smile and say, peace be with you. I'm going to confess my sins. As Luther says, confess your sins and just be done with them already. Get rid of them. Lay them on to Christ. Our own sinful flesh wants us to shy away from that. Just like I put my hand over the scale at the doctor's office. Not looking. Not going to see it. But today when we come here, we bear our soul and we see that a lot of these things are beyond our control. But we are also forgiven and strengthened to realize that God's own salvation and his love is for you and for the whole world. There are so many sins that you've done and I've done that are so great. There are so many sins that people in this world have done that are so great. But that does not change Jesus. Forgive them, for they know not what they do, he says. And yes, as you live, there will be times when you will see that your sins are great. They always are, even the ones that you try to downplay or excuse. But there will be times when God lets you see how great your sin is. And there are times where God will see and let us see and show us how sinful this world is. Just like we saw this past week. But it's all so that you and I remember who he is and how great he is. That he has redeemed you, not by what you've done, but by what he has done for us. He has called you by name. He has applied the clean waters of baptism onto you. This salvation is not your doing. It is gifted to you. And he rejoices in cleansing you of all unrighteousness. He doesn't want you offended or upset or knocked over or toppled by sin. He wants you forgiven, loved, and restored. And he wants you to do that for each other as well. The life you have in Jesus, the life brought forth by the Holy Spirit, bears witness to Jesus and proclaims that Jesus is God and forgives real sin in Jesus' name. 
You are not a very big crowd here today. This is not an earth-shattering movement here in Little Rock. But you, as a small band of Christians, gathered at this place, have the ability to go out and be salt and light to everyone that you meet. That's why Peter says, show hospitality to one another. What does the word hospitality mean? Hey, I know you. Come on over. Let's have some cake and punch, and we'll be happy, good friends. Hospitality simply means the love of strangers. Peter talks about this and says, take care of the household of faith, but then also be ready to show hospitality toward one another. That means you bring life and light to others when things are really, really bad. You lift others up before the throne room of God in prayer before yourself. And as hard as it is, you can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens you. There is real sin out there. I don't need to tell you that, right? But there is also real sin in here as well. And as you go your own way today, as you go to whatever it is that you got planned this Memorial Day weekend, you walk by that font knowing whose you are and who you are. That God himself is with you bringing his spirit, bringing you Jesus again and again and again, just like last Sunday, just like next Sunday, just like every time we come into this place. Through his word and his sacraments, these are given to you so that you may always know that he is with you, not on account of how great you are, but for his own namesake and his love that he pours out freely for you and for the life of the whole world. This, all of this, is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.